Podcast. This is episode number seven, and I'm here with my good friend and brother from another mother, Hadi. Hadi Thank Salma, you, Hadi. How's Salma, it going, brother? Right? How's it going, man? Not too bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Thank it's, you for having um, me on here. It's a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Long time coming. Yeah, definitely. I pre- appreciate your time. And yeah, so I've known Hadi for what seven, eight years now. Approximately. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So when I was maybe second or. Second or third year in the industry, me and Hadi started at a studio at the same time, and the studio is called Nilvana. Uh, it's part of a sister company under the umbrella of Chorus Entertainment. So for whoever is familiar with the animation industry, that's one of the studios we were there for. Well, I was there for three years. How long were you there for? I think I only stayed there for a year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah, and then sure. afterwards, where did you go? Well, I took a, bit of a break, uh, probably like six months or so, and then I, uh, I jumped into... Uh, uh, the modeling department at uh, Arc Productions. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then we bumped into each other there again. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Small industry. So, yeah. And then, um, so tell everyone a little bit about you and who you are as a person, I guess. Uh, well. So what's your background? Where have you, familia-wise? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation. So, like, I was, I was born in Yugoslavia, well, the former Yugoslavia. Okay. Uh, uh, in Serbia, yeah, and uh, my my uh, family migrated or immigrated to Canada when we were about like three. When I was about three years old, mm-hmm. with my siblings, uh, I got like five uh, five uh, kids in the family. Nice. Um, yeah, my dad's a biochemist engineer. My mother is pretty much like a homemaker and stuff like that. Um, I actually didn't know your father was a biochemist engineer. Yeah, That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, he's a biochemist engineer. Nice. Uh, and. Uh, yeah, we we, we uh, grew up all over Toronto and stuff like that. Uh, he was, we were always. Uh, so how old were you when you came into Toronto? Like uh, when you moved uh, well, to Toronto? Yeah, about around I think three or so, three or four years old. Okay. Uh, so uh, you pretty much raised. Yeah, in I'm pretty much Canadian, man. Yeah. There's a, a bit of a, a, a rackiness in me. Oh, yeah. that's that's one other thing. My my background's a rack. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, I lived here pretty much my whole life and everything like that, and. Uh, yeah, like I, I, started getting into what I, what I thought was a silly kind of uh, aspirational situation where I, I, I was, I was younger. I was, I was, I would sketch and I would do my drawings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I grew up in a household that was uh, uh, very uh, religious. Okay. And um, let's just say everyone had a different view about uh, drawing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I kind of experienced the same thing. So when yeah. you were growing up, your siblings and every, everyone did they set? Are you the oldest in the family? I'm, I'm dead center. Dead so, center. Okay. Um, older brother, older sister, and two younger brothers. <clears throat> so did your older brother and older sister set like a high standard that you had to meet? Uh, I think what it was is that with a large family like that, uh, my parents uh, assumed the mm-hmm. keyword assumed right. that uh, if you uh, teach the older older uh, siblings mm-hmm. that the, the information will follow suit throughout the uh, right it'll trickle down the yeah, stream yeah <laughs> didn't happen so much <laughs> uh, but they were still like a, a way of like yeah my, uh, I look up I look up to my bro- older brother you know mm-hmm. uh, he's definitely a, a, a very spiritual individual in, in my mm-hmm. life and 
and still like a very inspirational individual in my life. So, I have my uh, older sister. Right. Uh, they're doing really well. In so they have had somewhat of an impact on you. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah, like uh, they definitely helped me uh, with a lot and molded me as an individual. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, What's and, the age difference? Uh, interesting fact. Um, my older brother and my older sister is one year, one month, and one day year apart. One day apart. And one one so, one. Yeah. So April twenty third, May twenty fourth. 83 82 so this is yeah. your older brother and your older sister yeah and then i'm a year uh, apart from my older brother and two years apart from my older sister mm -hmm. and then down the line uh, younger to me is uh, i believe a five-year gap from my my my, my second youngest brother mm -hmm. and an eight-year gap to the youngest brother um, mm -hmm. yeah big family big gaps but it was definitely a chaotic household growing up in mm -hmm. toronto and like trying to just figure out what works and what doesn't and and, and trying to balance out uh mm -hmm. how uh somewhat the religious kind of lifestyle works religious to, culture yeah and growing up in a western society yeah and, and my parents were fresh fresh from uh, Iraq yeah. and stuff like that I, they, I feel like a lot of uh middle easterns in that regard like you're torn in a way yeah, man. It was yeah, tough, man. Right. Like, growing up and everything like that, like, you always wanted to make your parents happy. <clears throat> That's and, the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it got to a point where it's like, you have to make yourself happy, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think I, when I started to allow myself to make my own decisions, mm -hmm. I started realizing, hey, you know what? This is probably the right decision. Okay. And in the end of the day, like, you know, I hope, that my parents would be proud of me. I hope that uh, right. uh, that you know they understand the decisions I'm making. Are I, I'm making mm -hmm. are the ones that I want to fulfill my, my needs. Yeah, my yeah parents at the end of the day they come around, but yeah. as long as they see that you're happy and content and like living a pure lifestyle, like, yeah. yeah, they have they'll they'll be happy for you. Yeah, yeah. But and, the and initial thing, like you mentioned, as far as like I don't know, being creative and stuff like that, that's kind of like a niche industry and for middle eastern parents and like i guess a lot of other cultures too it's like are you not going to be an engineer or a doctor or whatever something that has more of a i don't know like a where they can brag about yeah in terms of like these yeah. are the exactly. the good jobs that people look up to like these are i think also they, they suit and tie type yeah. and, and they also you got to keep in mind is like they also they definitely had a vision in their minds right you mm -hmm. know coming from a war-torn country and yeah and, uh, coming here fresh and not knowing anything and not mm -hmm. having any relatives here and not having any extra support. Right. It's tough on them, man. Yeah. You know, and, and throughout that time, I realized that, yeah, you know, yeah, I got to listen. I got to, I got to follow suit. Right. Right but the, the more <clears throat> I realized that I had to start, you know, making my own decision, the more I realized they started actually understanding that, Hey, you know, it's okay to, to go get the green sometimes. How old, how old were you when you started making those decisions for yourself? Uh, well, when I hit high school, I hit a couple of uh, rough bumps and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, I, I overcame that later on in life. And then when I realized I had to change my lifestyle, yeah. I realized that uh, I had to get away from the environment that I was in. Right. Uh, some people say it was, it's bad to run away and, and this and that. Mm. But sometimes it's, it's actually a really good thing to, to just leave everything behind. And start fresh right. uh, my father always told me like uh he always he, he, my father is very uh 
he's very poetic and, and how he sp speaks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But he always taught me about like, you know, you got to have a blank page, a new chapter in your life to start sometimes, right. you know, to actually overcome whatever the previous uh, history you had in, in your life. That's and, dope. Yeah. And so I listened to all that. And my, my dad is like, once again, like my mom and my dad, they're very like inspirational individuals throughout my whole life. It's just, I think they had their own as i said their own vision their own kind of attitude towards what decisions i was making but i think they were still confident in me that they knew that i was doing something right because of the fact that i started uh reacting and and and, and acting a different way when i left mm -hmm. and, and i moved up to oakville so okay. i went to sheridan so uh, i i, I the animation uh, program no i did i did uh illustration okay so I didn't know how to draw. I didn't know how to do anything like that. I was doing it when I was younger, as I said. Right. But like one thing about Muslim people, I maybe you know this also, it's like that. Is it's that forbidden. It's forbidden, especially, <laughs> especially when you draw faces, right? right. Uh, one thing is like, they, they always say, it's like, oh, if you draw a face that is not real, right? right? It's like you're becoming, you're being God and you're creating a new uh, image of a, a mm -hmm. person. Right? But to say that, I think those were uh, ideas that were formed in a way where it's like, that gray area of things where it's like for example nowadays uh back in the day women were never allowed to um, wear makeup and stuff like that it was always right. haram it was like haram meaning that it was a sin and stuff like that <laughs> right right and uh nowadays it's like a common thing that you know individuals will will uh, wear whatever you know because it, it mm. actually helps their confidence wear their makeup and it helps the confidence so like that gray area was you know in a way it's, it's okay now like you know you don't have to uh, uh, you don't have to tell yourself you can't do so. Well, the rules and stuff are becoming a little bit more modernized. And yeah. They're, they're not being strictly imposed because, you know, it's not, you feel trapped in, yeah. in decisions yeah, you make. Exactly, exactly, exactly. If I wasn't able to draw a face or do any life drawing, I wouldn't be in the position that I am right I think now. That's another thing about life right. drawing, right? Yeah. When, when, especially <laughs> when my parents came over and uh, I, I. So I they, brought... found, they found out that you do life drawing? Well, I, I, it's not like I, I, they found out. I told them. Okay. I told them initially and stuff like that. Mm. But how I related, uh, how I told them was it's like, hey, you know what? Doctors see human bodies naked, right? right? <laughs> For it to understand the anatomy of the body and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it's like, hey, I'm looking at it in it's a way. It's more of like, a study, not a sexual thing. Yeah, right. right? And so like when I, I brought them in and my... my my mother wears a veil, like a hijab and stuff like that. Okay. It was a little different for her to like, you know, walk amongst all these pretty much, you know, naked images of people that <laughs> right. people were drawn stuff like that. Yeah. But at the same time, my mo my mother has quite like mo modernized also and understood like, you know, you can't just be stuck in this kind of mindset of just being, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, closed-minded, you know? And mm -hmm. um, well, yeah. It's, it's hard to restrict that kind of stuff where it's all yeah, around you right yeah, you start exactly. to become more exactly. open-minded exactly and so yeah like when i when i went to sheridan i i, I improved in my uh, my work uh like my, my drawings and my artistic skills mm -hmm. but at the start uh, i didn't get accepted to any illustration program or any mm -hmm. animation program yeah i did the art fundamental program mm -hmm. learned the basics and the fundamentals of how to draw basic shapes stuff like that yes. and then i did uh, i built up my portfolio i applied for an illustration program i got accepted amongst like 100 odd students nice. odd people and i was pretty fulfilled and then i realized okay what am i going to do with this i did i, I think in the, in the first year i was like all about the interpretive kind of stuff and everything like that mm -hmm. and then i realized 
this is going to be a tough situation, right? And I, I, I from a career perspective, at least in my um, mind, okay. right? Because I realize you, you, to really break through those, uh, those barriers of, of becoming uh, a poster child or or someone really up there in the industry of illustration. You need to you, prove yourself. Yeah, and there's a lot of individuals that have been doing this when they're like, since elementary, nine now, elementary school, middle school to high school, and they're going, they went to specialize. And I looked mm. at myself like, hey, I, I just started drawing when I was like 18, not 19, 18, 21 or 20. Right. So it's like, I don't have that much experience and stuff like that. But then I realized I always still had that drive of being creative, you know? So I had to figure out a different way to output my creativity. Mm. So, wonderful thing I, I learned. I started learning more about the 3D realm of, of things. Nice. And I started realizing, hey, you know, I'm, I'm more technical. Right. So, uh, illustration, uh, second year breaks off into two different uh, programs. It breaks off into a technical stream and it breaks mm. off into illustration stream. Mm -hmm. I chose the technical stream, A, because I knew there was going to be a job in the end. And B, I was able to uh, apply the creativity I wanted in a technical manner. Okay. Um, so technical drawings, as in, like, just give an example. Uh, um, botanical studies, anatomy studies, um, uh, exploded views, manuals. Uh -huh. So all the stuff you see in IKEA and stuff like that. Right. How to put things together. Those right, are individuals right. that are actually technical illustrators that got actually it, do all those it, things. Got it, got it. Um, if you ever see car manuals, mm -hmm. right? Uh, any any engineering kind of parts. All those are actual technical illustrators that are actually doing all those uh, drawings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I started doing that, and I realized, hey. You know what? I just don't want to do uh, vector line. I just don't want to do just you know digital drawing. So I, I started dabbling into the 3D world of stuff, and I realized, hey man, there's like a lot of potential in this. Yeah. Um, my older brother, uh, Mr. Genius. Uh, Mr. Genius. <laughs> uh, he, me and him. Uh, I told him what I was doing at, uh, in the program and stuff like that. He had a bit of time on his hand and stuff like that, and we started learning together mm -hmm. 3D modeling as I was in school and he was just at home. That's and dope. this guy just like flew by me like no tomorrow. He he introduced me to like uh, uh, some really solid like industry standard softwares. Mm -hmm. One thing illustra illustration didn't offer was industry standard softwares. Right. Considering the fact that it didn't it didn't make any sense for an illustration program to offer a three D three D software because they expected you to do. Which program is primarily used for that kind of stuff? Uh, well, it's just pretty much Illustrator and Photoshop. Right, that's what the ma major kind of uh, programs are. They did have softwares that were 3D software, but they were mm -hmm. very low, like, you know, low budget kind of softwares that no one in the industry uses and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But that helped me build it up my skill sets in a way to uh, end up learning uh, 3ds Max, right. Maya, and more or less industry standard softwares. Um, but yeah, as I said, my brother, He's like, he's very competitive and like being a year apart from one another, mm -hmm. this guy just pulled off a whole entire 3D model of a Ferrari from out of the blue. Nice. And I'm just like, what? I'm just like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm here, you know, lifting cylinders, and <laughs> extruding, extruding. That's, that's usually the first model yeah. people do to a car. Yeah. yeah. And then like, and I saw him, it's like, and the thing about it is like, he was using an a, a, a industry standard software right. and I was using a crappy software that could only handle like maybe 10 polygons okay. <laughs> before it crashes. Right. Well, not 10 polygons, but you know what I mean, like a yeah. very low res kind of polygon. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he told me, start learning this program. So I'm like, all right, so I started learning and everything. Like so that was what, 3ds Max? Yeah. Okay. So I learned 3ds Max for, uh, right away, and then uh, he, he also uh, told me, yeah, yeah, use this type of render engine, V-Ray. Mm -hmm. And uh, I realized I was like light years ahead of everyone in my program. 
in learning uh, 3D software, and then I accelerated to like to the full. But also, I was still keeping in mind of my traditional stuff. So I was still mm -hmm. doing like watercolor drawings, ink, uh, pen and ink, mm -hmm. botanical studies of like orchids and different kind of things. Mm -hmm. And and I got to a point where it's like I started realizing like I I really love 3D modeling, right. and then that literally led into my fourth year of illustration and i did a, a thesis in uh about our artificial coral reef science center an idea that i came out with that is a pretty much a sustainable structure that uses mm. wind turbines tidal turbines and solar panels to mm. pretty much um, run a whole entire science center that is kind of a floating uh floating uh, structure in the water, right. but beneath the water, the structure uh, is actually a, a full-on science center and also uh, a, an artificial coral reef. So this is for a specific client or just no, this a, was a concept? No, this oh, was my okay. thesis. So I and uh, <clears throat> I got an insane amount of uh, positive feedback from it's it. Dope. Yeah, and uh, uh, I actually won uh, Best in the Show because uh, after an illustration when you uh, graduate mm -hmm. or it's before you graduate, we have a grad show where all, all the students uh, present all their um, all their uh, work throughout the year or whatever thesis they were doing for that fourth year and they display for family friends and industry people mm. essentially trying to get break into the industry and get a bit of recognition from people that actually are in the industry nice um, and so yeah so you so fell I, in love with 3d and then implemented your technical skill yeah <laughs> and the wild thing about that was also with my thesis i randomly started realizing well, when I, after I won the award and stuff like that, I actually got paid 500 bucks. That was pretty sweet. <laughs> 500 yeah. dollars. Yeah. And then uh, I realized afterwards that uh, randomly I Googled my name with the project I worked on. Mm -hmm. And I started realizing there was tons of people worldwide writing about my project. <laughs> nice. That I didn't know of. Like in, in different in, languages. In what regard though? In, 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 in somehow assuming that I was an architect. Oh, okay. uh, industrial designer. Nice. Uh, the structure was actually being built in Abu Dhabi. No. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like all this kind of like kind of wild kind of uh, information about the project I was working on. All right. And it was just coming back from just the feedback or just me just posting stuff online. Mm -hmm. And it was it was really inspirational in a way where it's just like wow like you know I got I got quite a bit of recognition for that. Mm -hmm. So then when I realized I was like oh this is what I want to do. I did the, the one-year post-grad program at uh, Sheridan College uh, for computer animation. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I pretty much that program, you do an interstitial, a little clip or like a little advertisement, like a, what is it, 10 second one at the first six months. And then you do a little kind of a short film mm -hmm. for the uh, remainder of time. And yeah, so I did my, my show I did my, my, my little kind of uh, interstitial and the little kind of short film. Mm -hmm. Broke into the industry, first job out was Nalvana. Really surprised because most people start off at a company that's a little like, you know. I had an internship. Yeah, internship and stuff like that. But uh, I, uh, I, they noticed that I had my, my skill sets were a little more advanced than the regular. And then I met you. And um, then the Akbars came together. That, that Akbar was Akbar number one and Akbar, uh, Akbar number two. Number one, Akbar Squash two. and stretch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's hard to notice, but Heidi is like six foot four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm like, so you're like four inches yeah. taller than me. So uh, I met Masood, and uh, uh, it like automatically we, we saw eye to eye. Uh, to just also, also for uh, 
definitely the whole Middle Eastern connection it's a there. cultural yeah, humor it, it just, that it nobody just else understands. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. So where do you think, uh, like, throughout your entire industry, like, I guess getting into the industry and your school path and whatnot, what drove you to choose the creative path? Um, I think it was just part of biology in a way. Uh, my grandfather was a furniture designer. He ran his own uh, furniture uh, company in Iraq. Mm, so uh, it's in your DNA. Yeah, pretty much, man. Pretty much. Pretty right? He was a designer and stuff like that. My mother would, would always, when we were younger, she would do like we arrange things in the house all the time she's a, a homemaker and stuff like that mm -hmm. uh and um she always like i always noticed like she was always into her fashion i was always into that and i was a lot more closer to my mom growing up and uh and the more i spoke with her the more i got information about like you know my, my relatives because i never met my relative my whole entire life mm -hmm. um like the only thing i i know of them is just to uh uh, Word of mouth, yeah, family-wise. Exactly. And now, one point five years ago, I visited Iraq, and that was the most eye-opening situation in the world. It's it was mm -hmm. it was a phenomenal, phenomenal. How long ago was that? I think five years ago. I think it's been five, five years, years ago. Yeah. So eye-opening in what sense? Like. Oh man! Oh man! Like, to me, first of all, you go back home to a country that you're told you're from. Right. To but feel you... like you're a stranger in a country that you are supposed to come from is the most strangest feeling in the world mm -hmm. i felt like i was so not in my in my in my zone or anything like that in what sense though i felt like okay there was like a few were people things. treating you differently or like, yeah right yeah. away man. right away like they knew you were a western <laughs> oh yeah for sure like first of all my arabic was broken to begin with okay right so there's that one thing and even like i remember at one point like uh, my mother was telling me like they they noticed even my mom mom Mm. not feeling and looking like a, an Iraqi even at the fact she like grew up her whole life in Iraq and she's mm -hmm. like you know speaks like fluently Iraqi and well, this is after how many years you said you came when you were three so yeah so I think she didn't go back for a while but at the same yeah. time like still like you know what I mean Iraq is Iraq and if you were raised born in you know like you, you were there yeah. but like but when I went there I was just like man it was so overwhelming first of all when I met my cousins and stuff like that I felt a couple of things I felt the fact of like I should have grew up in Iraq. You should have? I should have. Okay. Because the one thing you'll realize in the Western uh, society. society and stuff like that, there's a huge disconnect between family and, and There's a lack of community. Yeah. yeah, like big time, man. One thing I realized, like, especially in Iraq, man, people, strangers love each other just because of the fact that they are the same people. Right. Right? There's how they speak to one another. Right. Um, here we say hello, good morning, nice gesture and stuff like that. But yeah. the words that Iraqis use, right. it's, it's like more it's poetic. Genuine and loving, and it's it's poetic, man. Right. It's like with Aini, Aini is my eye. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, it's like like we would use, hey buddy, this and that. Hey buddy, you know, yeah. if you're even in an argument, like yeah. hey guy, this and that, it's very aggressive, yeah. right? But like two Iraqis are arguing each other, like Habibi. Habibi translates yeah. to sweetheart, or, yeah. and then Aini translates to my eye, right. yeah, my eye, you know, yeah, like, come yeah, on, yeah. you know, and like just seeing that mm -hmm. uh, kind of. Uh, I think that's still in our blood here. Like to a certain extent, we still like me and my Arab friends that like, we refer to each other, like even me and you, for example. Yeah. But it's a natural thing, right? But it, it, it's it, it's not this on the same level, obviously. Mm -hmm. But the reason being is is because I don't know people are stuck in a subconscious state of like rat race and like yeah uh, a very routine like 
lifestyle where we're always projecting into the future and stressed about yeah. tomorrow. Whereas yeah, over there, they're present, right? Yeah. Family, uh, parents, yeah. like dinners together, like the thing about it is, is communal is, gatherings, yeah. right? Here, like if I wanted to come over to my cousin, like if I had cousins over here or this and that, yeah. you would call them over and see this, uh, like yeah. see if they're home or. Iraq, you just pop in, man. You right, pop into right, their right, house. Right. It's like, no one's home. doesn't matter no one's home. Like, you go, and, like, yeah. you know, you just have a bite or whatever. Like, it's right. not like, you know, it's just, it's just that kind of community, that kind mm -hmm. of love, you know? Like, there's no disconnect. But at the same time, no doubt about it, there's probably other uh, mm -hmm. Iraqis out there that have that kind of, uh, kind of uh, community with one another. That Here? I, yeah, in, yeah. In, in the West, uh, that I haven't experienced, you know? Or maybe I push myself away from that kind of thing. I think it's, just a, it's a big city thing too, right? Yeah. Because everything becomes a mission. Yeah. Like if I was to come see you, you live like all the way up north. It becomes like an entire day's worth of. Yeah. Whereas over there, everybody's in a tight knit community. Yeah. yeah but uh, in terms of like how you mentioned people coming over and stuff like that, trying to implement like for example, I've noticed that, and I like I want to try to start implementing that in my life. Yeah. Like kind of like it's weird to say like TV shows. Like you know how Friends are where yeah. people someone shows up and yeah, like oh yeah. what's up brother. Yeah, yeah. Like having that where well, people don't do that necessarily no. unless you're in like dorms or like in a university type of environment. That's exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, after you get a career and stuff like that, there's a huge disconnect where people feel much lonelier than they should be. Like yeah. I'm living in a condo for about how many people I don't even know who my neighbors are. Yeah. And like people live in giant complexes, they don't even know yeah. what their neighbors are. But that's just uh, the society we live in, where it's not in comparison to like our past, like parents' generations and stuff like that. Your yeah. neighbor would can literally come to your house and have dinner. But I think I also with your situation, I think it's more or less. Hey, these people are not home. They're probably just working. Or well, out. that's not so, everybody's yeah. busy as yeah. fuck too, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like I'm barely at home too. But yeah, that makes sense. It's a yeah. rat race. Yeah. yeah. And if you were like in a, probably a different suburban community and stuff like that, you have probably a bit of more of a connection. But at the mm -hmm. same time, the, the connection is very, it's different. Like because I always hear it all the time. Uh, like even if you live in Milton and stuff like that, right. you still have this like. My neighbors is like, you know, like they're okay, they're cool. Like, you still have some sort of like, right. kind of, you know, you're rubbing shoulders in the wrong way. For yeah, yeah. And then the closer you get to the city, the more uh, yeah. you come across people that have yeah. their blinders on. Yeah, exactly. Um, but at the same time, like if you're one to like wake them up and like shake them up from that reality, it, it is possible. You, you have to come across people. But like you said, everybody's busy. That's well, the there's problem. that, but at the same time, you, you as an individual sometimes things like, Maybe I'm opening up a can of worms if I actually break through these individuals. And then you start thinking about, like, oh, do I really want to put myself in this situation? I, I also think, I don't know, city life, people are tired all the time, oh, right? Yeah. That's yeah. another thing, right? Yeah. Whereas if you compare it to, like, like you mentioned, in Iraq and those places, it's more of a relaxed culture. Like yeah. They don't stress about bills. They don't stress about um, how they're going to get their next paycheck, how oh, they're going to pay their mortgage. Yeah. And without that stress, they live live in a society that's the priorities are more humane like yeah. it's like family love eat dinner pray like um and then work a little bit just yeah. to get some money yeah, but sure. nobody's like i need to get a ferrari and like, yeah it's not it's, it's well maybe maybe the government it's people, not but. something <laughs> that's like dangled in front of them in terms of like this is a potential future if yeah. you work hard in this capitalistic yeah. society yeah. whereas in canada and new york primarily that's what media kind of feeds down your throat like everyone you meet is like what are you doing to become rich and famous yeah. right and then unfortunately when it comes to that kind of lifestyle you you're not present right you're yeah. always 
grinding to a point where you're burning out and then sure you might attain those things but at what cost yeah so it is very refreshing when you visit other places around the world when you see things because it opens your eyes and it makes you think look at things in a different perspective oh yeah for sure like yeah like uh, I I visited Mongolia uh, a while back and stuff like that a place that's beautiful who goes to Mongolia (laughs) you know you you do (laughs) you know me and my buddy from nowhere he's just like hey let's let's go to Mongolia as we're doing our little kind of Asian trip you guys did an entire trip all around yeah so we went to Mongolia hit up uh, uh, China and went to Hong Kong and then hit up Thailand in uh, I think it was in a a three and a half week span Mm -hmm. uh, 11 flights (laughs) damn went around the world pretty much literally around the world we we went Mm -hmm. I think I I mean I actually have it the, the list, it's, it's hilarious because when you start thinking about when you're going across the whole entire uh, mm-hmm. continent, it, it puts things in perspective of like how small the world is, man. It is. It's, actually... it's like it, it comes down to the fact of like, oh, here's the list. So here you go. Here you go. It's, it's pretty well. Right. Tehran to Turkey, Turkey to Bishkek, Bishkek to Mongolia, Mongolia to Beijing, Beijing to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to Phuket. Uh, Phuket to Bangkok, Bangkok to Tokyo, Tokyo to Chicago, Chicago to Toronto. Jeez. Yeah. Three and a half weeks to do that. Eleven flights. Yeah. So think, what, what, what brought about the idea that you guys are one day just like? No, well, there's a couple things. My my younger brother was living in China. Okay. Uh, in Shanghai. So you wanted to visit him? Yeah, that was the plan, but. Uh, Turn into ten more flights. <laughs> well, the, the the issue was it was like uh, me and my buddy didn't plan out anything, so we okay. only bought two two uh, flight tickets one flying into mongolia or right. one flying out of thailand and everything okay. was uh, winged. no nothing was planned so you guys no had a, ti- a time frame though right like, we didn't have we didn't we just had we got to get back yeah we had a time frame based off of our our, uh, mm. uh, our uh, arriving back in toronto stuff like that mm. but then at the same time everything in between we had actually no spontaneous clue spontaneous as heck and then mm. when you do things spontaneously there's no expectations. Bro, you make the greatest memories that way. Like, Most, I mean, every place we went yeah. to, there was some sort of event or any stuff to go. Hong Kong, there was the uh, Rugby 7, randomly. Mm. Biggest event that happens, all these people from UK come and party up and stuff like that. Nice. And Thailand, Thailand New Year. Yeah. This is all in three and a half weeks, Thailand New Year. Yeah. Mongolia, Mongolia was a little more tricky. It was more of an event. It was more of like there was a corruption a protest that was going on there. <laughs> Because Mongolia, they, they have Did you join the protest, bro? No, I just yeah, I got more. I got I got more of an insight of like how Mongolia right now they're, they they've been ex- exporting a lot of coal and stuff like that. It's been mm. really destroying their atmosphere. Oh, the right. beauty about Mongolia, like honestly, that's one place I would definitely visit again, is that a the hospitality is like Canada. Mm-hmm. The uh, the respect factor and all these kind of things like, for me, six foot six and stuff like that, right? Uh, and and just like you know Arab and stuff like that, it's pretty. Like, you know, people will stare at you. Right. Walking around Mongolia, no all, all older people, no adults and stuff like that would stare at me. Yeah. Like they went out, they had this well, respect. It's, it's, it's from a respectful perspective. Yeah, for right? really respectful. All the kids, it was hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah. The kids, at one point, we ended up at a, we were at a museum checking out. Like, and you got to keep on, Mongolians actually went to the moon. Okay. Yeah, they had an astronaut that actually went to the moon and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. well, maybe just, maybe the moon or actually maybe it's just, just in space. Uh, and because they had that whole Russian influence, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, at the museum, there's these like uh, a, a, a classroom of kids uh, outside and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> I look at one of the kids. <laughs> the kid looks at me. He's like, right? And he grabs his friend. He's just looking. Okay, he grabs his friend. He's like, 
<laughs> right? And I just say, hey guys, it's okay. Like, they're like, oh, you know, they're like, yeah. But uh, as Canadians, of course, uh, me and my buddy uh, uh, brought some like little kind of toys and Canadian gifts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So we bought like a couple of toys from the dollar store that had actual Canadian flags on them. Mm -hmm. And we just handed it out to the kids and stuff like that. Just went up there, like, you know, say, hey, you know, the hospital. That's I, cute. You know? So it worked out. But like, just walking around and seeing a, a, a place that you you think in the back of your mind is not developed to right. see a full-on like you know a, a town square a full-on city like like pretty much wi-fi is everywhere wi-fi is free everywhere and anywhere you go and stuff like that in and it's, Mongolia, free. it's free we have Mongolia, it's free anywhere you go you get wi-fi for free is it regulated or is it uh, Do they have their pretend Googles and stuff like that? No, I, I think they were working? still. I think they might have been still on the maybe the Bing. Like you know how China has their only strict thing, but mm. maybe they, they didn't have it on Bing. But everything's free. And like a, they, I think their uh, their system is very different than uh, up here. And you also have to keep in mind, Mongolia is a, a, like they're still very culturally intact. Mm -hmm. Like uh, you would still see a traditional. I think eunuch or something like that mm -hmm. in the middle of the city attached to a house mm -hmm. like you know those tipika there yeah. attached to a house still so right. you have this traditional so thing with culture the culture is pretty yeah. strong and probably yeah for still. sure man mm -hmm. like for sure and uh even just like meeting the people meeting like everything it was it was such an awesome experiment experience man. Still, you know, what's the craziest story well, i think it would have been more crazy well there was a couple of things first of all we played basketball with a bunch of kids in mm -hmm. Mongolia nice and they are amazing at they're basketball good at really good Mongolia is made up of just like like mountains and flatland and stuff like that mm -hmm. but they've paved a lot of these areas mm -hmm. uh, to, to influence the whole kind of uh, basketball culture and like right away they like they know like Kobe and Chad and that's right. the only words they really know and stuff like that right. but another cool thing about it is like the influence of Russia because mm -hmm. Russia is next door and they had like you know so like the, the the cool thing about Mongolia is like you'll see these very exotic looking people in general, right. you know, blue eyed Asian looking individuals and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But back to the crazy story, uh, I think right uh, at, at one point at the start was we got off the plane, mm -hmm. we went to find a taxi. I asked my buddy, I'm like, so like, how long does it take us to get to the hostel? Or the, the so taxi? this was where? In, in uh, Mongolia. In Mongolia. Okay. And we're like, how long would it take? He's like, I think it was like, he, I think he told me like, oh, maybe like half an hour or 20 minutes. So we talked to the taxi driver and stuff like that. They're like, yeah, an hour and a half, an hour, this is the, and we're like, and we don't have internet. Right. Right. Like, we're like, so like, in a like foreign we country, just yeah, got off a plane, no internet. internet like, we weren't, like, we didn't, like, and did like, they speak English? Uh, someone, not really, man. It was scary, So then man. that was even more reassuring. It was so sketchy, man. Oh, man, it was so sketchy, man. Like, right away, we're like, I don't like, man, if you go to a place like that, and, right. like, it's in the middle of nowhere, man. Right, like, you know, right. like, like, you could disappear just like that. And that's how I felt it was like, I mean, like, you're six foot six. It's hard to. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can just drive up in there, like anywhere. Like, just right, like take right. all of our luggage and take all of our money, and we're done. You know? Right, right. So right. it's like, like we didn't, we didn't really think through any of this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like we, we just like we just gonna like, forget, you know? Fuck, let's do it. We jumped right. in the car, and he just started driving, and we're just like looking around, like, yeah, like I don't know, is there, is there a Mongolian mafia here? Like, is, right. is it running a certain way? And we're just like, just hoping and looking at I can see you my, my buddy, like the fear we both had. In a way, like, it's not like fear, fear. It was just like... Something might potentially yeah. happen. You know? And then we're like, oh, can we go to the bank? And this and that. I was like, I don't know if he'll take us to like 
you know, some a people, real one or you know, yeah. yeah. So, and then another thing also is like mm. we were trying to convert money in Toronto to mm. Mongolian money, but Mongolian money is worth nothing, so you mm. can't get Mongolian. You have to order Mongolian money into Toronto or into Canada right. to actually get in exchanges stuff like that. So yeah, like there was nothing really wild. I think it was just more or less all the different random experiences of like you know going to the mountains and. And even before we even flew in, we uh, we flew over the Gobi Desert. Mm-hmm. Oh man, gorgeous man! Just these like beautiful landscapes and like you know flowing kind of uh, mountains and stuff like that. It's just mm-hmm. phenomenal, man. But uh, there was anything crazy in uh, in Mongolia, but it, it definitely I think it was either Hong Kong or China, hands down the most uh, wildest stories down there, man. Just because of like. We didn't, we didn't expect too much. And on top of that, first of all, we, when we came into China, both of us didn't do any research about, hey, do we need a visa? Do we need anything? Yeah. Did you guys need a visa? You need, you a, need visa a visa from China, visa. by the way. <laughs> so how did you guys manage to get that? So we, uh, there's a 72-hour there's a layaway kind of situation in China. Okay. Because they, so we, but as long as you have a place where you're staying at, mm-hmm. You could uh, you could come into the country for that seventy two hours and you gotta fly out. Okay. So guess what? We didn't have a place to stay. In. <laughs> so we're in Mon- in China. Yeah, uh, customs at the border. Yeah. So uh, we were just googling places to to stay at, right? right? But we didn't actually like book, book anything. It. So we're like, oh man. If they call and they. Well, that's what we yeah. thought. Like they, because they they probably will call. Like it only makes sense to verify where you're going. Mm-hmm. They didn't call. They man. didn't call. And they let us in, and we're like. What the heck? The Canadian citizens yeah. for the win. But like, yeah, but like, it's, if we went in there, we we we, were, we stayed at a, a pretty nice hotel and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that place was 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 wild. Like, foreigners are treated really well in China. Like, you know, just you know, we at one point in time we uh, we were wa- walking the streets and stuff like that, and uh, we uh, we we were looking for a bank, and we we uh, we. Uh, we uh, saw this foreigner looked a little Arabish, like you know. Like, Arabish yeah. looking. <laughs> so like, hey man, this guy probably gonna help us out. So we right. walked up to him. We're like, yo, where's the bank and this and that? And we told him like, you know, is there like a nightlife somewhere where we could just party and stuff like that? And mm. uh, he's like, yeah, like I'm a club promoter. Uh, like you know, so I'm like, all right, come over. Like uh, we didn't believe him at the start. <laughs> then we ended up finding out that like foreigners get like pretty much get paid to go clubbing. Right. right. So, if you is ever... it common to see foreigners in China? Or yeah, depending on where yeah. you are and stuff like that, it's really, really common. So, which guys were you, were you in, like the central part of? Uh, I think we were, man. Honestly, right now I don't remember exactly where, okay. where we, we were. So you came, you come across this Arabish-looking guy who's a club promoter, and he invites promoter. you guys to come out. Come out and, and then... stuff like that. We didn't believe anything, so we're like, all right, let's go with it. He's like, yeah, just come. So we, we go there. Getting there for free, live bypass, and Bakari, cool. Nice. Then he explains to us, like, yeah, like, so, uh, uh, Chinese people love partying with foreigners because they feel like, you know, they're they're more party goers and stuff like that. Right. So the more foreigners that come into their clubs, the more Chinese people come into their clubs. Mm-hmm. Right? At least this is what he was telling and what he was, he explained to us. And so it's like, drinks are all for free. Mm-hmm. Everything's for free. <laughs> so all the, you know, just like, like what? He's like, yeah. Uh, and he just kept signing away all these paperwork. Right. Every time we got like went to the bar, we would just call him over. He'll just sign the paper and we'll just be, you know. Nice. So like. VIP treatment. Yeah, but but by the end of the night, it got very very odd and, and, and sketchy anyway because we jumped in a, a, a cab, 
and we didn't realize that uh maybe i should be telling the story <laughs> <laughs> if you want to but we ended up in a car where a cab driver tried to somewhat <clears throat> take advantage of my friend okay and, and uh he, he, they, they tried pretty much yeah he tried taking advantage of my friend and we didn't have it so we ended up at the the opposite end of the situation where we we took advantage of him. Yeah, <laughs> right. And like, yeah, I ended up in a strange way where it's like, and then and the funny thing about it is like, we ended up coming home like at four or five in the morning. Right. And like an hour later, we were supposed to go to a tour group to the Great Wall of China. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so That's after like, a night of going partying. Yeah, and... we ended up going to the Great Wall of China, like pretty much hungover, like you know. So that was a pretty wild experience. And like, uh, yeah, man, that, that was a that was an awesome experience. So eleven flights. Do you have any other places on your destination list as far as going to visit? Or um, right now, nothing currently, but I definitely want to explore more of the Middle East, mm -hmm. uh, Morocco. No, well, not Morocco, more or less. Like, uh, well, definitely visit Iran, um, mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, those places around there, uh, Egypt. Um, but at the same time, I think right now, man, I always look back as like, it doesn't matter where you go, man, mm -hmm. Canada's home. Yeah, because yeah. we're born, I guess, raised here. Yeah, something about Canada, man, you miss it. But like yeah, I, was just, be, I was just about to say we're blessed in the sense that our family came down when they did. Yeah, like, you know, I pretty much, in the same situation as you, my family came from the States and I was three years old. Yeah. So Say you said you were three as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so we're pretty much raised in Toronto. Um, but yeah, having that freedom to just being able to buy a ticket and take eleven flights all over the world, like yeah. let's say if we were to live back home, like, we wouldn't have no, that privilege man, whatsoever. Like, that whatsoever. freedom or. But that that's the thing, but yeah. people don't realize yeah. you need to have those types of experiences to grow mm -hmm. as an individual, man. Mm -hmm. It's so eye-opening. It makes you realize mm -hmm. a the world is small, right? Yeah. And the wild thing about it is, like, you bump into people in mm. foreign countries, mm -hmm. right? There was a time, even, like, uh, I remember one time, I haven't seen these guys in 11 years. I'm in Cuba. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen these guys, my high school friends, in 11 years. I'm in Cuba. And coincidentally, you bump Coincidentally, we're in the same club. We're all high, and we're like, what the heck? <laughs> what are the chances Yeah, of what this? are the chances of that yeah. happening? Stuff like that, man. And I'm just like, wow, this is wild, man. But at the same time, you grow as an individual. You need that type of experience. Mm. If anyone tells you, oh, I don't really travel, those types of individuals are mm. the ones that need it the most, yeah. right? Because they, they're so locked into their own kind of world and their own bubble. They don't realize yeah, there's so much more It shifts your perspective as yeah, to man. how you see things when you're in a foreign country and yeah. you see how other people are living. And if anything, they're more happy. Like, yeah, especially in Cuba, for example. Like, I've been to Cuba two or three times and the people there are like the most loving and friendly as well. Yeah, man. Like, they'll come, yeah. they'll smile, they'll wave at you, they'll hug you and you're like, yo, this is how life should be. Yeah, yeah, It exactly. shouldn't be so cold and dry. Yeah, yeah, I don't think yeah people people really yeah remind yeah. themselves on a daily basis of like you know exploring more options than what they're just given yeah. here. You know, we're living in a concrete jungle in a way, but yeah, everybody's yeah. busy. But like, but that's the thing is like, if you treat people like that here, depending on where you are, they'll look at you like a fucking weirdo. Yeah, and that's the thing. <laughs> but that leads also me into like what we were talking about before, uh, hap happenstance and stuff happenstance, like that. Happenstance, yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, having that vibe and influence yeah and how um, everything's interconnected with each other in mm -hmm. a way where it's like you know uh that that your experience somewhere else right. helps other ex people's experience in those countries realize 
That there is hope, there's potential. Yeah, and there's also like, oh, these guys are not that bad from these other countries. That's one thing I realized in Iraq. That's one major thing Mm -hmm. is that I realized when I was there is like they always assumed that I we we foreigners had this belief about Iraqis only sticking to Muslim people because it's a Muslim state. Okay. You know, and and when I was hanging out with my uncles and my 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 uh, my uh, uh, like my cousins stuff like that. They had different types of religion, people hanging out with them, Christians, this and that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, they thought that we believe that they don't do that. Right. Right? And I was just it's like... more I, strict. Yeah, yeah. And I thought in my mind, I'm like, I, I wonder where that came from. How they actually believe that, you know, like, they have, that we had this view about them. Right. You know? But as I said, like, we need uh, people to, to, you know, go, go uh, cross those boundaries of yeah, being... Yeah making themselves uncomfortable just breaking that. barriers right? yeah um, you know yeah, those are all social constructs too at the end of the day yeah. right like in terms of uh, stigma associated with I don't know, belief yeah. systems ideologies and all that kind of stuff but like you mentioned like when you meet someone and on the surface level it's like you don't know the experiences that they've had you yeah. don't know who they are as a person and i guess first impressions are natural like it's, yeah. it's hard not to have them but it's like you never really know someone until you get to know like oh yeah for them. sure like I, I always look at the, the first time I meet someone I feel like it's like the, the, the honeymoon stage of the relationship where everything's <laughs> like hey this guy's cool this guy's chill yeah, this and that. you might get a gut feeling yeah. or whatnot but in terms of like just culture ethnicity and all that yeah. kind of stuff especially be, that's what the beauty about living in Canada is because it's such a diverse country yeah. right People in are a so lot of places it's not like that not right? whatsoever right. man yeah they're very yeah. like isolated they keep to themselves and they're like oh yeah. man it's like strange to interact with someone that's that's such an odd thing and i feel like people are becoming more open-minded and like with the internet and just being connected with everyone you have that awareness um and then you realize that there's like specific agendas in place to create that yeah whether it's like just old school beliefs or what political whatever it might may be but those boundaries are being broken slowly but uh, but it's also very important to break those boundaries because mm. of the fact that back to the happenstance is that maybe because of the interaction you're you're mm. having with this random stranger and stuff like that mm. could could help them in a certain way there's mm. a chain reaction of events that might help you them even the smallest mm. thing as like an individual that has this persona or belief that oh everyone on the subway that's brown or or arab or this and that mm-hmm. ha- uh, is a certain type of stereotype and stuff like that right. and then suddenly like you know an old lady or old lady comes in and you just give her give up your seat that could just trigger a whole mm-hmm. different perspective of just it's like oh like i've never been offered a seat by you know <laughs> a, a brown man or this and that you never know you never right. know what what kind of mind because maybe she had an experience a really bad experience throughout right, her life right, right, from right, a different right. individual that was my ethnicity it's, stuff it's like media as well at the end of the day right oh like yeah how we're portrayed on media and like that and, that and has a huge influence on people that are not necessarily surrounded by those type of people yeah like for like the people i know like even me i've grown up with all types of ethnic groups or whatever like everybody is equal to me yeah. in a sense some people don't have that right they grow up in communities or private schools yeah. and then their view and outlook and like perception of other groups of people are skewed in the story yeah yeah um, which is unfortunate yeah. but but then at the same time, we were, I think we were discussing about this before, about like um, how like certain events or certain situations mm-hmm. that might occur with you may not be meant for you as an individual. 
like for mm -hmm. example, you see individuals that are, are win an award or or uh, uh, get the job over another person that's qualified and stuff mm -hmm. like that. You always have to step back for a second and say, hey, maybe it's not necessarily them getting the job or them becoming uh, getting that promotion. Maybe there's more to that situation that that connects other other individuals to that situation. You know. Maybe that individual that got that promotion need that promotion because of the fact that they have a, a situation at home that uh, 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 allows them to maybe uh, help help mm -hmm. you know uh, maybe a disabled person that they have in their family or someone that's really and even at the fact he's like man that guy has absolutely no qualifications for that situation right. right and I think people have to remind themselves it's like hey maybe those individuals are not qualified there's an other underlying situation that's going on that you don't know. He as an individual probably doesn't even realize himself that it's happening, right? But he's like, oh yeah, you know, like yeah, I'm, look, I got the job, I'm great, like I'm, I'm better than all these people and stuff. But when you really look into it and you figure out where maybe the money is going or where it's going, like he may be doing something different that we don't know, but he mm. has this kind of belief that it's it's all him, mm. right? And, mm. and people have to really step back and start realizing, you know, that there's always a reasoning. A reason for what occurs. You know, the way you broke everything down, I feel like when it comes to all that kind of stuff in terms of goals, success, ambitions, or whatever, whatever energy you put out there, it will be answered in a way. Like the universe, like whatever higher power, universe, God, whatever you want to call it, that if it's a genuine thought or like dream or whatever put out, you will, if the opportunity presents itself and you're ready for it, like some people consider that like being lucky. Yeah. You, those type of things unveils, unveil themselves, but whether or not you're ready to hop on those opportunities is completely up to you, right? Yeah. So because you're in a specific life situation and then things start start to unfold as they should, but you're in a position where you are prepared to hop on those opportunities because they wouldn't have pre presented themselves in the first place. Yeah. So when it comes to those kind of things, it's like a general sense of appreciation and like realizing that we all have that ability to manifest what we want in life. It's just a matter of believing in yourself and your capability of uh, putting, just being the best version of you and then player one status. That's how I, yeah. I, I break it down to everyone. Like if you're living an unconscious lifestyle where you're reacting to everything and not being grounded, uh, you're going to get mediocre results. But yeah. if you realize and you wake up every day and like knowing that, okay, if I put my best foot forward uh, today, and be player one in this reality that we're life reality like whatever happens to you you have that grounded perspective and the judgment and that clarity to make decisions that will lead to that promotion or whatnot yeah. it's all like uh stepping stones and yeah. there will be failures and stuff like that along the way but having that mindset is like okay hey, what i'm doing is catered towards not just selfish reasons it's like on a grander scale but i have these dreams and goals and aspirations for whatever it might be, but that's how the world works in a way. It's it's yeah. crazy. Like sometimes yeah. it's like too much of a coincidence when yeah. it happens. Yeah. But I I definitely feel like if you put things out or like write things down in a journal or like genuinely, I don't know, put it out there in whatever way you want to call it. Like I mentioned before, but, it will manifest. But it's very very important to follow through every single step of the way. Yeah. Because if you if you're not following mm. through, you're not you're not believing in yourself. You're not actually reaching to that higher standard of player one status and stuff like right. that and you just have to remind yourself that hey you know what it's just like a slingshot you know you yeah. always get pulled back pulled back pulled yeah. back pulled back right it gets to a point where you get pulled back so far 
right? Right. That slingshot goes, uh, you, you let go of that slingshot, mm-hmm. and you propel yourself to some place that you never, ever mm-hmm. expect to be. Or like right. the other metaphor, like people when they talk about like being in a dark place, it's like you can see light when you're in. Yeah, that's well, where, and then you'll notice which direction you need to go in. But like everybody's experienced those dips or yeah. whether being pulled back and like propelled. Um, but noticing that and using that as a tool for pro- motivating yourself and like inspiring yourself, like failure is not failure. Like it's a learning experience. Yeah. But the thing that I guess irritates like people that are very driven like for me for example when i see someone not meeting their utmost highest potential that bothers me in a way where it's like okay if you're not happy in the life situation you're in you do realize that you're capable of so much more if you just switched up a little things here and there and now that we have the internet and books or whatever you can shift your perspective so easily and all that information is available oh yeah for sure so if you're unhappy stressed or depressed or whatever there are ways to get out of that right yeah, yeah. um it's just a matter of like mustering up that little bit of willpower and like but same thing it's like i guess some people are more introspective than others and you brought up the fact of like mm. uh there is light and darkness they mm. co they coexist they, you can't have yeah a shadow. there's a duality yeah you everything. can't have a right. shadow without light exactly you know? so, so you have to remind yourself there has to be light Mm-hmm. without shadow to exist yeah right well, there's a polarity and duality to everything you have to appreciate like if, if that's another thing too like a lot of people like i don't know um philosophers and like when another guy i talked uh, i talked to you about earlier his name is naval like he talks about it too like there's a polarity to everything like um if you hadn't seen something like someone or something like that's grotesque you wouldn't understand beauty mm. right if you don't experience what it's like to be lonely and unloved you won't appreciate love as much yes right you always have to have a kind of like a contrast point yeah, um exactly. and that applies to so many different situations in life so even for us growing up we had a little bit stigma associated with like our the culture our background and how we're portrayed in media and all that kind of stuff but that's not something that prevented us from pushing forward and i think it's also be- the simple fact that it's where the country we're in we yeah. have more opportunities, we have more opportunities yeah. and it's a blessing at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like everybody has unlimited potential. It's like how do you tap into that potential and become great? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, but, as, as I said sometimes, man, like uh, there's people out there, man, that sometimes you just don't, you got to step away and not help them in a way. Because sometimes there's, yeah. there's people out there, man, that they need to grow by themselves. There's other, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's a, a situation where it's like, like there's family members and other mm-hmm. people, not my kind of scenario, but I, I, what I've heard and stuff like that, it's like, oh, you know, my, my son needs a little kind of advice and this and that. Right. So, but there's sometimes it comes down to that individual needs to, as you said, you need to be, you need to be open to the concept of wanting to grow and level up yeah. too, right? So if someone's struggling, whatever, that's another thing too. Those type of people will gravitate to other people that have the answers, yeah. right? So you, for example, like if I'm I don't know, I have anxiety or whatever, I'll do my research and stuff like that. But then I'm more open to digesting those altered perspectives. If yeah. someone's in that state of mind and they're not ready to change as a person and they don't realize the potential that they have and they still need to suffer like you mentioned yeah and, and reach that start, and reach yeah. that point where they're open to other people's perspective on how to interpret their life situation that's on them mm-hmm. and yeah I've, I've talked to a lot of people that say that they're like oh when i see so and so 
or these type of group of people, I want to shake them out of their... Uh, yeah, but it doesn't come that's, down that's, to that's, them. that's not your responsibility, no, right? Whatsoever. Especially in those individuals, mm -hmm. it, sometimes it's more actually toxic for those individuals mm -hmm. to be helping out yeah. because of the fact that those individuals don't want that help. They're just telling you, like, I don't want you to be around. And they right. need them to actually allow them just to grow on their own and find their own way, yeah. you know? I realized that just from experience and stuff like that. Uh, another thing mm -hmm. you brought up was um, how you said... Uh, Oh, I just lost my train of thought. I think you brought up the fact of uh, how individuals, when they want to grow and stuff like that, mm -hmm. sometimes you do need a, a lifeline. Sometimes you don't need a lifeline. Mm -hmm. But other times it's like uh, you really got to just sit there and think about where you are in life and how happy you are and, it's and an appreciation thing yeah. right like um, Cause realizing because where just as an example like where we are right now if you backtrack five years from, oh man it's wild this is we probably dreamed of being here uh -huh. right and a lot of people get so stuck in projecting themselves into the future and this like optimal lifestyle of having more and more and more in a way that's what propels you to continue growing and striving to become more successful or whatnot but having that awareness of realizing and appreciating and being grateful makes that process that much more enjoyable, right? Because yeah. then you're not sleepwalking through life. Yeah. Um, I think also a lot of people realize their full potential is when they stop thinking about other individuals being so much more of a higher status than them. Yeah, comparison is always yeah. a poisonous uh, perspective, well, yeah, right? comparison is the thief of joy, right? Yeah, comparison is the enemy of happiness. It's also the thief of joy. But yeah, you the thing is, everybody's on their life journey. It's like a, a game almost, right? So once you realize you can overcome failures and you can level up and it's just a matter of, okay, I approach this this way. How can I change whatever it is that I'm doing in order to get the outcome I want? Yeah. Boiling it down to why in the first place, that will make a whole world of a difference oh, because yeah. then you have that driving factor as to what the reason behind everything yeah. is right because a lot of people they're like i want to be rich i want to be famous i want to have it but it's like okay have you boiled down to why you want these things right mm -hmm. and then you kind of ask them and then they'll get stumped they'll be like actually i don't like okay if well, you well they don't they, they see this they, kind they of glamified kind of yeah view so of when you break it down it's like you do realize like after you get those things whatever is like a big house a yacht yeah um does that make you're, you happy? You're, you're going to be the same person that you are now in terms of how you perceive things. And those things bring you limited joy and happiness. But and one thing you, you, uh, you brought up before is the word suffering. That is mm. such an important, important word. Because people yeah. don't realize yeah. we're all, all suffering. Mm -hmm. In any kind of situation, we're all suffering. Mm. The question is, how to lessen that suffering and then it's like how you cope with it how you yeah. manage that kind of stuff because like no one's no one's in a, like a perfectly happy mood mm. with anything it's just a yeah. really it's a really tricky kind of it's just trying to figure out what works for you as an individual what works for others around you to keep that kind of mm -hmm. realm of your happiness and, and mm -hmm. your lessening of, of suffering it's a life choice too right and there's like it's how you perceive whatever the situation may be and like the duality with everything like comparatively speaking like what I do right now for work, it's blessed. I'm like, same with you. Like we're in a position where we're doing what we love. We're creative. We're making good money. Like we're uh, successful in yeah. regards to career standings. Yeah. Because we've been in positions where we suffered and we've been stumped. We've been in I don't know, debt and like uh, school, what's it called? Tuition fees and all that kind of stuff. The appreciation is that much greater. Yeah. 
It's like that same analogy, like when someone wins a lottery or whatever, they they, they haven't deserved that money. Yeah. So the way they're going to spend it and whatnot is going to be in a very careless and reckless manner. Yeah. And they're probably going to end up unhappy or broke or what whatever. Yeah, right? but, but I think another thing is also like Einstein said this. He's like, he's like uh, don't strive for success, but mm-hmm. strive for value. Yeah. Because success could open, happen overnight, right? right? Uh, there's a ton of one-time hit, hitter uh, musicians out there that uh, happen, uh, you know, hit that one note, and they're like, oh, they're all famous. They're like famous that. Uh, overnight. But with value, value stays with you for life. You know what I mean? Value yeah. could not just basically well, value could actually change in some mm-hmm. somewhere else. But value could stay with for you for for life in a way where it's like everyone will appreciate it because of the fact that it has more weight than just being just success itself. Mm-hmm. You know. And yeah, when you break it down, like the thing is, we're in a generation where we can observe all these rich, wealthy, successful individuals, and you can—they're very transparent these days. You can see what they're going through on an emotional level. You can see, and they have everything. So when you break everything down from that regard, it's like what really matters for you as a person, right? Yeah. And what does that come down to? It's like just being a genuine, caring, loving individual to like your friends, your family, people that are close to you and fulfilling your life purpose from a creative standpoint and doing something that brings yeah. you that fulfillment. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then so when you're rich and all that kind of stuff, sure, life is easier. But money at the end of the day is a tool. It'll just make things less stressful. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and, well, in a way it does, in a way it doesn't, right? right. But more money, more, more problems, as they yeah. say. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right, and it's tricky like that, right? It's like how to find that balance when you become wealthy, yeah, right? But a lot of people overnight, uh, uh, rich people, yeah. what's the statistic behind that? Mm. Most of them end up broke after like a few years, mm-hmm. some of them die from overdoses, some of them, like you know, right. so in a way, you have to, you have to, as you said, you have to work hard to appreciate that mm-hmm. money more than you know, just getting it overnight and just you know, being given it to. To, to you. It's a like, tool. It's like even in like when I was a kid, like playing video games, for example. Yeah. The moment you enable those cheat codes, <laughs> you get bored. After yeah. an hour or two hours of playing, you have unlimited money, unlimited things, and like that's another thing too. Like going to like all inclusive resorts. After two or three days, you get bored. Yeah. Right. It's like you have. You're homesick. You, you're, you're, no, it's like you have unlimited. Like there's drinks are unlimited. Food is unlimited. There's beach, there's, you can party, you can do everything in an abundance for free. You feel like that's how you'd feel if you were wealthy. Yeah. But there's no fulfillment. After two, three days, they're like, okay, this is the same repeat thing over and over again. I'm tired. I want to go back to just being productive in a way, creative, right? But it's like, what's that feeling, right? That's the same feeling you'll get if you were to be wealthy here or like rich and like indulge in all those kind of things that media kind of portrays that you need a Bugatti or yeah. whatever it is that you need because that's temporary. Oh yeah, for sure. You got you got to definitely like if you if you hit the, the big dollars and stuff like that, you definitely got to pay it forward, man, and, mm-hmm. and, and and help those individuals at one point that you you were in mm-hmm. that kind of same position where it's like you know I mm-hmm. wish I had a bit of extra money to to get this or to pay my rent for that month or whatever mm-hmm. it is and that because it goes a long way, man. When when you do good things to to people, mm-hmm. especially in, in, a, in a tight situation, man, mm-hmm. the amount of blessings you get is is unbelievable, man. Mm-hmm. And the amount of 
happiness and joy comes to you. It's fulfillment. Oh right, man, yeah. like it's it's That's true. nothing, nothing in this world. Yeah. Anything you give, diamonds, this and the, all this kind of stuff is emptiness, man. Right. It's just empty. There's something to fill that void that you were brought up, that mm. void within you, mm. you know. And then you get to a point where it's like, so what's next? Exactly. You know, and then it's just like. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not cool with this. Like, mm -hmm. that's it. Like, you know, it's like, I, I was told a whole different story when I was growing up. Right. Right. right I was right. like, yeah, look at these. And the, the uh, yeah. No, yeah this, thing, this. Things become a lot more transparent as, oh, as yeah. you grow older in terms of your priorities. And like, and don't get me wrong. There's probably some rich people that are very happy and content with what they have, but oh, yeah. that's just how they perceive life. Well, maybe that's how they sh show that, that image of being oh, that right. kind of But at the same time, if you, work blood like if you worked your ass off blood sweat and tears and like you reward yourself with something like that there's nothing wrong with that but if it's just no. from a strictly materialistic point then yeah that's that's debatable in terms of whether or not um but no ultimately what i'm getting at is like in terms of financial situation all that kind of stuff like i guess being in a position where you it's like that like i mentioned before it's like we're playing a game and it's a tool almost mm -hmm. right so if you can follow a a path in which that you're doing what you enjoy and you love and you're making something out of that in a way that's like the most fulfilling let's oh, yeah. say right sure. so sure. even in the industry that we're in we're very creative right yeah. we have that creative out, uh, outlet if you compare yourself to I don't know, like not to bash on accountants or anything yeah, like yeah. something that's redundant and you go to work what's, every day what's, and it's what's, like what's the, same. the what's the highest suicide rate for industry i think it's uh i think it's either lawyers or Lawyers or something else, I'm trying to remember. But it was like this high, high yeah. kind of job where you make it's, a lot of... Well, you make a lot of money and it's stressful, right? Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's meaningless stress. It's like, it's like stress that, like, oh man, like, what, why? Right. Why? It's not even worth it's it. Just, you're dealing with other people's negative energy. But, but that's, that's what's wild about it. It's like, man, I'm, like, I'm sure you do the same thing. I smile on the subway every morning. Right. Right. Like I don't. I don't have like a chip on my shoulder when I'm going to work. Right. I don't have. I'm looking around me on the subway. I'm looking at people, and it's like they have this like melancholy kind of look, or just like this just really flat look. They either put their headphones on this and, and what I do, right, compared to other people, I sketch people on the subway. Right. I'm one mm -hmm. of those individuals that sketch. You know, <laughs> one the, of those yeah. individuals. Yeah. What is it? What is it called? The sketch the train or something like that. Okay. Either. I'm the one of those. And the thing about it is, like, I think I, maybe I just stare at people too much sometimes, and I mm. start getting lost in their world. Because mm. then I start realizing I'm just like, based what's, off, what's going on yeah, in their reality? Based off of how they're reacting, what they're reading, mm. or what are they, I try to put myself in their shoes as I'm drawing sometimes, right? right. And I think that influences and inspires uh, how my drawing turns out. <laughs> and, the, and what the, 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 in a way, the, the crappy situation is like my drawing sometimes just turn out really sad <laughs> because like these people are not happy people right. i can't like i can't draw a person with a smile because the person there is not smiling at right, right well right? the subway in general like uh, public transportation is pretty yeah but at the same time it's, it's, it's very like, draining and uh no i know what you mean yeah but it, it, it shouldn't be right like right. it's not like the thing about the, the the subway man it's not about where you're ending up it's the journey man Right, mm. if people think about the journey, right, they're they're probably more or less. It's like you well, know, they're not present, right? They're yeah, like, they're, they're just waiting to get to the destination, and then when they're when they get to the destination, they're waiting for the day to end, and when the day ends, they're waiting to get back home. Yeah. And when they get back home, they're tired as fuck, and then it's just a cycle. And then after weeks and months pass, that kind of drains you. So. It's like to those type of people, it's like you need to find, I don't know, like something, well, something, find something that they're happy it's with. It's a them. hobby or yeah. uh, for me, like 
it's like a creative output that's yeah. the best way to put it i think what it is is, is exactly that like our, our education system has, has pushed and, and and put so much weight in, uh, on, mm-hmm. on theory and just like the sciences and the englishes and this which and that, is right? fine like you need all that kind of stuff to be in a position where we're at right but now it doesn't but explore at the, same the other time, side of your hemisphere yeah. of your brain right that's why uh elon musk's approach on everything is like so like dope in regard to like once technology reaches a point where all the mundane jobs and everything are out of the way yeah and naval talks about this too people can be more creative oh yeah because then we'll have that freedom we'll have that time to just do things that are out of the norm and like that's our true human expression right and and, and the most famous people in in history and stuff like that use both sides of their hemisphere right do you know what i mean like you know from da vinci to to all Mm. these other individuals and stuff like that they always had a creative side to them like that you know do you do any meditation or mindfulness uh, practices Uh, curious i think my meditation uh, and my therapy is drawing Right. Yeah, that's because I don't draw artist. work because yeah. it's all you know technical and, and, mm-hmm. and it's more or less you know my mouse and my tablet and stuff like that, right? Mm. But like for me, it's like when I draw, I'm in my own kind of realm, oh, yeah. and I'm like in a way focused, but I'm at peace, right? right? But at the same time, I'm at peace. It's like I'm, I'm allowing myself, as I was saying, you're present in a sense. Yeah, right? you're not thinking about anything but that pen hitting the paper. Yeah, right? and the more I see what is in front of me right. being created. The more joy it brings in a way right, to me, right? Because right? right, right. it's like I'm, I'm, I'm doing something that a lot of people, in a way, have potential to do, mm-hmm. but haven't. They haven't triggered that side of their, their, their brain. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like individuals that go to work and say, "Okay, they crunch numbers." Right. Great. Awesome. You crunch numbers. Mm-hmm. You've triggered a, a, a very. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Certain mm-hmm. part of the part of it. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's like you're doing great, but those crunching of the numbers, right? Some of them will bring them joy, for sure, you know? But at the same sure. time, yeah, you know? Like, or like, you know, maybe it does bring them joy and stuff like yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, like, you, know? you know? But at the same time, it's like, you still have to uh, be expressive. Right. Maybe that's what it is, you know? If you crunch numbers with a bit of expressions, I don't know how you would do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in a way, you'll be a bit more happier with the, with the situation, right? Mm. If you're crunching numbers where you're smashing your keyboard until the, 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 the key, uh, whatever you call it, the pops out, pops out stuff like that. Mm. Buddy, maybe you're expressing your anger with yeah. the wrong expression, you know? You want, to, you want to express yourself in a happy mm-hmm. way, you know? And that's what well, I say back to what I was talking about, my, my therapy with drawing and stuff like that. It's like... It brings me to this kind of peacefulness. It's like a Zen practice. Yeah, you know? know, and then at the same time, I, I think like you know when I was younger and even to now, once in a while, I'll, I'll, I'll do my prayers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. just to remind myself that you know what I mean like there is a higher being, there is someone powerful, there is a divine power out there, man. Mm-hmm. And, and, and anyone that denies that, I, be, I personally believe it, 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 they're very silly, you know, mm-hmm. because there's no reason. There's, an, there's always an action for, I mean, for every action, there's a reaction mm-hmm. right, in anything in life, right? And, and for your belief, thinking that, that there's, there's no higher being that created what's around us and there's no mm-hmm. control behind everything, it's, just, it's a wild thing to think about. Right? Well, yeah, I agree in the sense that nobody can say for certain there's nothing. There's laws. There's right. laws in everything, man. There's 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 laws of nature. There's mm-hmm. laws of, uh, of, of so many things. A perfect example in nature is is, is uh, African cichlids. African cichlids, when they school uh, uh, 
when they school together, mm-hmm. one fish is a brilliant color and everyone else is a very dull, dull color. Mm-hmm. You take that one fish out of that tank, guess what happens within five minutes? Mm-hmm. Another fish steps up. How would, like, people like think about fish is like, you, you know, you just put it on the barbecue, you put it in the oven, you eat it. How is mm-hmm. that just like, just there? There's a law between them, right? Mm-hmm. Or the ecosystem of, of, of a radius in, in a forest, or an Amazon forest. The, the, the release of uh, oxygen and stuff like that, or CO2 in that mm-hmm. atmosphere, is based off of how, how large uh, the trees are, right? Mm-hmm. If you actually, they, uh, they did a study, where if you cut the length of, of the branches of, the, of, of one, the tallest tree there, and you measure them uh, with the other trees surrounding, mm-hmm. they actually measure the same height to one another, right? right? So there's a, and if you cut that big, large tree, one large tree will grow even higher because there's a perfect balance amongst those trees, man. Mm-hmm. right? What we do is polar opposite. Right. We poison this world because of the fact that there is no balance in our in our lifestyle. There is no balance amongst the world. There's no any of that kind of savages and all. Yeah, and that's what it is, and that's the why we're so destructive to this planet. Barbarians. Yeah. Why do you think it's wild to think like everything around existed around us for such a long time, and the second we come, we're poisoning it. There's so many issues, there's so many problems, there's so many this and that. And like people step back and say, oh man, it's global warming, oh man. Yeah, sure, yeah, it is global warming, it's mm. all right. But at the same time, have you ever stepped back and said, hey man, you are part, like you are. All right. Yeah, you are the global In terms warming. of making a big impact, then they yeah. have to be a uh, much higher scale yeah. change in terms of... Um, or even like, like mass populations. Or even the the coronavirus kind of situation, the most mm. recent situation, right? It's like people are like conspiracy theorists are saying, oh, you know, it's the U.S. trying to you know control uh, mm-hmm. population and stuff like that. Do you ever think of Mother Nature trying to control the population of the Earth? It's possible. Right? Have you seen the yeah. movie The Happening? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, with you the know? trees that start murdering yeah. people. And the, and and that's the thing about it. It's like there's there's this balance, right? Mm-hmm. There's this balance where it's like it's t- the, the the Earth is telling everyone else, it's like, hey guys. You're taking up too much space. And it's not even you're taking up too much space. Mm-hmm. You're just building too much shit. So we got to destroy you guys a bit so you, right. could, you guys can rebuild. But it's going to take you a little longer to rebuild. It's possible, you yeah. Know? You never Wait know. Wait until you know? global warming melts all the glaciers. Yeah. There probably going to be so many crazy viruses that pop out oh, after that. Oh, sure. Or even like uh, the, the coral reefs that are dying. That's why I did a whole entire study, right? Like yeah. the idea was, was behind that thesis of the coral reef science is to educate individuals about like mm-hmm. coral reefs. Right? If they don't, uh, if they don't exist, sharks don't exist. Right? Right? Sharks thrive with coral reefs, then, right? Because mm-hmm. there's this perfect symbiotic relationship amongst all the different corals, uh, 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 fishes, the uh, an- anemones. All these things they have this relationship with one another right. to exist with amongst each other. Right? And people are like diverse ecosystems. Yeah, yeah. and the, the thing about it is, is like. There's nothing but coral bleaching because of, of, of the high temperature of, of the sun hitting the water mm-hmm. and killing off all the all the uh, the coral and allowing uh, us allowing that to happen is insane. Yeah. Do you not, like, but everything sure. balances itself out at the end yeah. of the day. The, if the, the great, ice age comes back, yeah. we're all screwed. But, but it's, it's messed up to think <laughs> that like, the, the great coral reef or the great uh, barrier reef. Right. Beautiful, gorgeous, like this, like it's this mystical kind of thing that like mm-hmm. the people and we just like get rid of it. Mm. for cement walls and <laughs> do you know what I mean like it's a silly yeah, it's concept it's a survival thing and it's, making it's compromises wild, right it's wild man it's like you know? do, you, do you believe in aliens or ghosts uh <laughs> I, I think it's a huge I, derail of conversation yeah, but I, I'm I just think, curious 
I think I think energy flows in everywhere. Like obviously, mm. I'm a lightning compositing artist. Yeah, I put it out there. So it's like I understand the science behind how photons move and stuff like that around. Right. And I, I realized like you know if you turn on a light in a room, you know the photons bounce on the walls of the room, and the room absorbs the light. Right. Or the photons warm up the room. You turn off the light. Mm. The heat of the room disappears because the photons are not there and they're not all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing as like energy uh, in, in within us, right? Right. There's an existence. There's energy existing in us, right? Yeah. So obviously, the energy when we die has to go somewhere else. Right. It just doesn't disappear, right? So if it goes in the realm of as as the Muslims say, barzak, you know, the 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 waiting place, you know, maybe barzak is in, it's here. You know, in, in a different realm within mm -hmm. us, or somewhere on a different planet. I don't know where it is exactly, but yeah, for sure, there's some other entities amongst us that we don't see, that you know have its own kind of, you know, they have their own kind of dimension, if you want to call it. Mm. You know, at the same time, I'm not walking around, you know, God, what is it, ghost, ch chasing ghosts. And, so you don't believe in ghost hunters? <laughs> I don't believe. I don't believe that. Uh, I don't. I think. I think. I believe our senses are limited in terms of what we can perceive. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think, I think, like, I'll, I'll tell it's you. It's hard to say that that kind of stuff doesn't exist either. Yeah, like, I think my, my mother uh, told me stories when we were younger because, like, in Iraq, there's these people that uh, are in the mountains. <laughs> They're in the uh, mountains. Yeah, they, uh, you've they seen them in movies. You've they, seen them in... they practice dark magic. Well, pretty much, yeah. They're oh, like, okay. they're, yeah, that's exactly what they are. <laughs> really? They're, they're the devils. Like, they're, oh, they're, shit. Yeah, they're like. Uh, there's certain you've actually have probably even seen them in movies when they like those uh, I think the Three Kings mm -hmm. they have like a black line across their their faces okay right? and uh, yeah they speak tongues and stuff like that and they're pretty mm -hmm. much yeah they speak you know thing but and like my my mother told me experiences that she's she's seen before with these individuals that you know and it's and and in Islam we have jinns right right so it's so like, like de demonic yeah demonic beings. kind of creatures that we don't really see but. It's like angels around. and demons. And yeah. So like, yeah, for sure, there is yeah. something else. It is, but it's just, as you said, like, we, we can't trigger it because of, you know. Our limited senses. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of uh, inspiration and motivation, when it comes to people that are, that want to be creative, but fear diving into that realm, do you have any advice or tips? Um, just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what, man? Everyone, don't ever, ever think mm. when you're in a room amongst individuals that you look up to and stuff like that, mm -hmm. that you, you would never potentially ever become that individual one day. Exactly. You know? Yeah, but unlimited, unlimited potential. Yeah. It just takes hard work and like uh, just understanding how to improve and it's a long game. Yeah, and, and the, the thing about it is like, you could always, always, and I always repeat it, you could always reinvent yourself. Mm -hmm. If you went through a tough time in your life, man, and mm -hmm. you felt like you've been broken yeah. and, and, and a, at a younger age and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and, and that you could never recover from that, right? that's a lie. You're mm -hmm. lying to yourself, and, and, and in a day, when it comes down to it, you could get out of that situation. And, and, and believing in, in, in getting out of that situation and, and finding the right environment and finding the right people mm -hmm. to surround yourself with is the, probably the most important thing for you to get out of that kind of mindset yeah. and, and to believe that, hey, you could be who you always wanted to be even after the fact you've been through 
the most wildest life situations life situation man you know what i mean and, and i think that's really important because i think a lot of people especially like you know people that live in poverty and stuff like that they always believe that hey, they don't have hope or they give up they feel like they're a statistic man yeah. and i think that's the one thing about people man is that they believe that there's a statistic but they're believing in the wrong thing <laughs> yeah. it's like throughout that's, their that's the power of the mind though yeah. like belief and all that kind of stuff if, yeah. if you have a strong belief system anything is possible yeah yeah and i'm hoping that you know one day you know like through my my struggles in life and and, and my experience in life that others will realize that hey man like i i hear you yeah. and that's what's really important man mm -hmm. is that like i i hope one day like you know that everyone out there that really really wants something that they can get it man. And, mm -hmm. and as long as as you said like work hard and put put their mind to it man right. you know that's dope very deep yeah. try to get you know try, yeah. try to leave it at a really uh no, the, I appreciate talks like yeah, this. Appreciate, appreciate your time, yeah, my brother. Me, much Happy love. Yeah. Thank you so much for Thank coming you, on. Thanks, man. Thanks everyone for watching. Bye. Take care, guys. Boom. That was good, man. That was dope.